0: sorry.
1: (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) All right, so good morning. I am so honored to be here this morning and thank you Pastor Adam and Danielle for allowing my family and I to come here and serve you all at the family church. We are super excited, but as you can tell by this accent, I wasn't born in Pickerington (laughs) and I usually speak super fast And when I talk about Jesus and kids, I go even faster. So my husband usually does the... So, he said, keep your eye on me. All right, so, so like I said, I was born in Scotland. Um, I emigrated to Canada 20 years ago when Gary and I got married. And we have three kids, and our youngest daughter, Hannah, is with us this morning. So a bit about me. I've always worked with children my whole life. I started in education. And then I worked in a shelter for homeless mums and their children. Then I transferred and became a manager in a group home for co-ed teenagers, um, and there were ten of them. I did that for quite a few years, and then got promoted, and I served or I managed a ten-bedded group home for special needs boys. So that was a fun job, that was in Canada, I did that. But I've also always served in the local church Well, in Scotland, in Canada, here in the States. Um, So I've been in the kids department, I've been in the youth department. I sang on the worship team for a while, but I won't do that anymore. Um, (laughs) And Gary and I have led many community groups together. And at C3, I was their kids pastor, and then I moved into the role of family care pastor, and that was for six years. So for the past six summers, I've been a leader at Starter Camp and I love summer camp for kids and I'm going to talk about summer camp a lot, but not today. Um, But for the last six years, I've been up there as a camp leader and for the past four, I've been the Starter Camp Director for Ohio Kids Ministry and we serve 120 kids on the camp that I run, kindergartners through second grade. Over in the other field, they run a camp for 500 kids. And that's like, kids, that's craziness. But I stay over at Starter Camp, which is fantastic. And I'm going to bring information here for your kids to attend camp because it's life-changing. So I want to tell you why children's ministry is so important to me and why I am passionate about leading kids to Jesus and then discipling them to follow Christ their whole lives. I read some research from George Barner, and he admitted that he underestimated the importance of discipling kids. In his research, he was shocked to find the absolute necessity of adequately uh, discipling individuals during childhood. He states, a person's moral foundations are generally in place by the time they reach age nine. That's the third or fourth grade. I don't know if you knew that, but, It still shocks me every time I read it. So it says, anyone who wishes to have a significant influence on the development of a person's moral and spiritual foundations had better exert that influence while the person is still open-minded and impressionable. In other words, while the person is still young. So when you think of the words open-minded and impressionable, it makes me think of clay, right, which is pliable, teachable. And in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. And Barna also states, this blew my mind. By age 13, your spiritual identity is largely set in place. In essence, what you believe by the time you are 13 is what you die believing. Did you know that? I never knew that. So, that's why kids' ministry is so important. There was another study that was written titled... Factors in youth and young adult experience and development. The author cite the research on a small minority of youth who stayed the course. And four of the six influences occurred when they were children. So number one, was the Christian faith deeply embedded in their family? So this is your faith as parents acted out and displayed at home, right? So having a relationship with Jesus, having trust in Jesus, when reading your Bible at home is normal like your kids seeing you doing devotions, your kids seeing you reading your Bible. And in time, I hope to have resources that if you need help in that department, that we can give you the resources that you need. And then number two, kids need to have at least three Christian mentors. Parents, you are not supposed to do this spiritual journey alone. Can I get an amen? Amen, right? Because we're on our teenager, right? And it's not an easy job. So for others that don't have kids, or for the ones that already already in kids' ministry, what a responsibility we have that the spiritual life of a child can be secured irrevocably by three mentoring adults who take the time to invest and impact a child. So number three, involved in ministry by age 10. Right, we get them young. So this is so important, so important that we have kids serving, even kids serving kids, right? And I can speak from experience as a family. We have watched Hannah, our 13-year-old, serve in kids' ministry since fifth grade. She's a small group leader for kids. She's a worship leader. And in the youth department, this is all at C3, at the youth department, she sings on the worship team. She does the tech desk, and she leads devotions. So super, super important. Because kids who actively serve God often find their purpose and value while ministering in their church. Their self-esteem becomes tied to their service to God. And then lastly, number four, the cool environment. It has to be cool, has to be trendy, has to be fun. If you're not fun, don't bother, right? Because kids like fun, right? And it has to be inviting in order to attract the kids in, but... It also needs to be complemented with services that provide the opportunity for kids to be impacted by God, his presence, and his anointed word, right? But what we often find in churches that the most difficult of these to implement isn't the family life, or the cool setting, or even involvement in ministry. Usually it's the willingness for volunteers to give of themselves sufficiently to become mentors to the next generation. So I'm going to ask you as a church, would you please pray for the children of this church? Would you pray for their parents and the volunteers that are already committed to your children's ministry? And would you pray and ask God, is this for you? Maybe you've served before in children's ministry and you've thought, oh, my time's over. Oh, I'm too old. It's not true because God can use anybody the kids ministry well wait a minute (laughs) not anybody (laughs) so as I've spoken maybe you felt God speaking to you and I know that not everyone is called to serve in kids ministry I know that for a fact my husband being one of them he'll serve anywhere else he doesn't want to serve in the kids ministry and not everybody should serve in kids ministry but could you snuggle a baby for an hour or so Because Reggie Joyner, who's the founder of the The Rethink Orange Group, said, Children's leaders, you aren't keeping kids so that adults can go to church. You are discipling children who will be the church. Right? Do you love toddlers and preschoolers and their sense of wonder? Reggie Joyner, who I love and I will quote a lot if I ever get to speak again, he is awesome. He said, preschool leaders aren't babysitters. They are giving children their very first glimpse of their Heavenly Father. That's what's happening downstairs every Sunday morning. Do you love elementary kids with their high energy and never-ending questions? (laughs) Do you love to tell Bible stories to kids? Would you love to be a small group leader? Could you work behind the scenes? There's always stuff to be done in children's ministry. I always say to people, even if you love to watch TV and cut out crafts, could you do that? There's always stuff to get taken home and you can do behind the scenes and you're still part of the children's ministry. There's a spot for everybody. Please pray about it and let me know if this is something that you feel that you would love to be a part of. And I will finish with a final quote from Reggie Joyner because this is good. 100 years from now, the only thing that will matter is a kid's relationship with God.
0: we we'll come down here. We're going to pray over you guys down here. Can you see why we hired her? Come on now. This is exciting stuff. Um, we want to have her introduce her family to you real quick. And then we're going to, um, a few of us are going to lay hands on them and pray over them. And we want the whole church to get behind that. But uh, I just want to echo her words uh, right now that this is a time for our church to, to decide who we are. And uh, I believe that one of the pillars of this church is supposed to take care of families. And uh, that means that we're loving kids here and that they are able to encounter the living God here. And uh, that can happen in in the babies, that can happen in the toddlers. We want to get to a third classroom as quick as possible. And uh, that lower level downstairs is so that we can begin to do worship services with all the kids together. And, And so we've got big dreams. And uh, it, takes, it takes resources, it takes money to finish those structures, but it's even more important that we have the yeses from the people in this room that say, we're, we'll do what we can to make sure our kids are, uh, are encountering the living God down there. So anyways, introduce your family to us.
1: Yes, this is my husband, Gary, and our 13-year-old daughter, Hannah, who unfortunately has a fractured foot that Mummy never noticed for like five weeks, but it's Okay that was a
0: yeah danielle you want to come up romines legeskies if you guys are available bring a bring baby jad up here too and um we just want to take a moment here okay this is uh this is we we don't want to ever be so overproduced as a church that we can't uh, take a pause for for one uh, something is shifting in the supernatural in in our church, and uh, th- this is significant. We are uh, as a church making a a very uh, big investment, and um, and and this family has 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 left a church that they loved out of obedience to the Lord to serve here. And so God doesn't move resources around like this to be uh, to to just to just uh, kind of keep the status quo. This is, this is to make a difference, this is to impact, this is so that hearts are changed from the youngest to the oldest in our community. Um, I'm just going to begin to pray if anybody feels like they want to pray or or have a word from the Lord we want to share that this morning father God I lift up Laura I lift up Gary I lift up Hannah God I thank you for their other kids as well God I thank you that this is these are lives together God that you have sown together uh, beginning with with Laura and Gary's hearts father and as they have loved and raised their own kids to love you father God I thank you that they are able to spill out over into so many others and so God I thank you for the anointing that Laura has Uh, to to be a minister, God, and I thank you for her passion for children. And, God, that you have put that together into a powerhouse package to impact uh, lives, God, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And so, God, I thank you that this church would would back her up in every way that she needs. God, I thank you that we would support them and become friends with their family. God, that they would uh, feel loved and welcomed at this church. God, I thank you that they would be immediately part of the fabric of family church, God and that we would we would reach this community our children and the kids around us God that are still at home this morning God that they would begin to come and they would begin to find you Jesus Father God
2: God I pray that that this family would be absorbed into our church body, uh, and and they would feel welcome and loved, uh, just a part, another extension of this church. Jesus, I pray that uh, you would bring up a hedge of protection around their family, God. Uh, that anything negative, any powers of
1: the devil, would just be bound up, God. and That they
2: they they, ha- they can call this their home now, Father, mm-hmm. in your name.
0: their hearts, Lord, as uh, Laura and her family come to love them that there would be an openness to, to new people that they would see the love of Jesus in them, the heart Father and we just pray for gifts now and then to start stirring up, Father, the things that lay dormant down there now, Father, to start moving that the kids would start talking, they would come home excited, Father, about what you're doing. At the family church but what you're doing in their life and we're excited about that as a church god to see our kids move in their gifts
2: god uh, we also pray that we as a church would uh, we would listen to your voice and be under your guidance and your direction um, on how to care for them outside of the four walls of this building father we know that they're going to be caring for uh, the children they're going to be caring and uh, taking on an entirely um new set of responsibilities and, and uh, a very important role in this church, but God, I pray that you would speak to us specifically as to how uh, we can serve them and uh, just come uh, beside them, not just in children's ministry, but in life, God, in faith, in hope, and in love. I pray, God, that we would uh, just lock arms with them and, and walk together as we follow Jesus.
0: Father God, we thank you for this family. God, we thank you for the work you've called us to do as a church. God, I thank you that we would be obedient, Father God, in the call that you've given this place to fulfill the vision you're leading us into, God, that hearts would be changed from the nursery uh, to the to the back row to the front row up here, God, that this would be a place where people are falling in love with Jesus, being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and, Father God, and fulfilling the plan that you've set in place before they were created over their lives. God, may we be a place of purpose here at Family Church. God, thank you for ordaining this today. God, we thank you for Pastor Conan. God, we thank you for C3, that all they have done fathers breathe life into us and so god we thank you that you can meet every need in every church around this world god and that we would all lift up the name of jesus it's in jesus name we pray these things amen thank you guys Woo! come on give jesus some praise this morning Before I call Andrew up, just the last couple thank yous I want to make is to, uh, to Joelle and to Allison and to Danielle. They have filled in, uh, running the gap downstairs, and, um, and uh, Laura's going to be uh, training up Allison and Joelle as, as they grow into, into more leadership down there. And so this is a, this is a God's doing some good stuff. Um, and speaking of good stuff, my buddy Andrew's going to preach today. Come on up, buddy.
2: Oh. anybody ready? Oh wow, he got me hot. He got me turned on. Are you guys ready to go? Yeah. yeah, I'm stoked. Listen, some of you thought you were getting like announcements part two, right? You're like, oh my gosh, it's Andrew. He always does announcements. Uh, what else do you have for us? My God, I think I just saw like three people leave. Um, so if you're, that was a joke, just joking. Um, if you need to leave, go for it. But if you leave like now, I'm going to know it's because you because you don't want to hear me. So um, I'm on the other end um, of service and I'm just uh, so thankful for this body, for this community, especially Pastor Adam and Danielle. Uh, it's good to be here. Are you excited to be here? Yeah. yeah, we're going to get into the Word this morning. Does anybody have their Bible? I have the old, uh, the old ancient uh, softbound paper. is uh, anybody, uh, 2019, you have your Bible on your phone? Yeah, let me see the phones. Phones. Yeah, I got phones. I got iPads. Yes, it's awesome. It's great. Hey, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to open up with just a few scriptures here this morning before we get into it. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. I'm going to read it here. Um, If you don't have your Bible, um, I don't want you to raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to have it up up on the screen here. See how I made all of you get out your phones and your Bibles first, right? Yeah, see that? Huh? Oh, I just, I got to thank you? That's great. That's amazing. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 uh, through 16. We'll start in 13. You, Jesus is speaking. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Can we pray this morning? Jesus, we are thank you for the words uh, that you've spoken through your word. And now, God, as we come together as one body, as one unit, I pray. That these words would become alive. I pray that they would uh, bring clarity. I pray that they would bring wisdom and understanding, so that God not only that we become hearers, uh, but we also become doers. So God, we thank you for this time. We believe that you are here with us. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, we're in the middle of the series. Anybody know the name of that series? Reboot. Oh, it's still up there. Oh, okay. All right. So we're in the middle of a, a series called Reboot. Now. And if anybody, do you have any techie, techies in here, anybody like working with computers? Yeah, kind of a, a little simple uh, reboot that we do with our computers. Right? Uh, so what happens is, is, you know, sometimes you got the, the system error or maybe sometimes anybody have updates they run on their computer. Uh, after every time your computer runs an update, you got to turn it off. Right? Well, that's because there uh, is some coding that needs updated. Uh, we're updating the software, not necessarily the hardware, but that system needs to shut down. It needs to, uh, it needs to reboot so that it can start again, and it can be stronger. It can be faster. It can pull code from different parts of your computer in quicker so that you have optimal performance of your laptop or your electronic device, right? Does it sound like I'm even in church this morning? No? Uh, <laughs> right? Well, sometimes a reboot is is needed to be done because there's an error in the coding. And the only way for that to be fixed is by doing a reboot. Church, this series is called Reboot because we we want to start fresh. We just come into a new year. Uh, Maybe there's some uh, line of of thinking or there's some mode of thinking that you've allowed the enemy to to, uh, put into your mind that you believe and maybe you've accepted it as truth. We need to hit the reboot button on our minds this morning. And we've been on this journey for these past few weeks. Um, One of the awesome Christmas gifts that one of my children received was uh, something similar to the classic uh, Etch-a-Sketch. Anybody heard of Etch-a-Sketch? Yeah, how many of you had one as a kid? I had one, yeah. Awesome, right? It's really cool, really cool tool, right? Now, I wasn't a great artist when I, whenever I had it, and certainly my almost two-year-old, I mean, she just scribbles and pretty, like, you know, it's one of those things that, that, that she has a bunch of fun with. But the amazing thing about that Etch-a-Sketch or that kid's toy that she has is she just takes one swipe of it, and she clears it, and she's able to start again. So in thinking about rebooting, let's, let's think about uh, refreshing. How many of you hit the refresh button on your browser sometimes, right? Dang, thing won't load, right? Happens every day at work, right? Refresh, refresh, refresh. So we're talking about different things, different tools that we can we can take with us as followers of Jesus to help us understand and and. Uh, and to understand who God is more clearly. So this morning we are talking about mission. That is a th- that's the third topic of the series, um, and so we are gonna we are gonna run into this uh, together. So mission is kind of a big word, right? Um, you think of uh, in in the Bible, Jesus talks about the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, right? It's kind of scary to a lot of people when you think of the word mission. Uh, any uh, church, some church leadership books you read that talk about being the missional church and, and that sort of thing. But I want to focus a little, uh, a little more on what it means to be, because sometimes I think we get so used to and so caught up in the doing of things that we forget that we have to be first. And if we know who we are in Christ, then we can carry out the mission. Is anybody here this morning? Yeah, I'm an audience participation preacher. I like, to, I like to hear a yes. I like to hear see a head nod every, every now and again, right? Don't shout me down, all right? Um, so mission is all about doing things that please God. That's simply what it is, for the glory of God. Our, our founding verse, do we have the verses, uh, 1 Corinthians? I'm hoping we have it. Yes, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27 says don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize so run to win all athletes are disciplined in their training they do it to win a prize that will fade away but we do it for an eternal prize so i run with purpose in every step i am not just shadow boxing the last verse there i discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, I love the context within which Paul is writing. He's speaking to the church in Corinth, right? Well, one thing that we have to understand is that Paul is putting a comparison between the Christian faith and athletic competition, right? There was a huge, well-known, popular event that was held in the city of Corinth called the, let me see if I get it right, Isthmian Games, Similar to Olympic games, right? It was, it was once a year. Uh, the people who trained for these events, they would train 10 months out of the year. If they missed one day of training, they were disqualified from, from the games, right? One day of training, rigorous training. These Ithmias games would have events such as boxing, wrestling, wrestling, um, music and poetry. Do you have any musicians or vocalists in here? Yeah, we have some up on stage, right? How about any poets? Do you have any poets? Anybody like to write? Right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Evan, my God, spoken word. Awesome, awesome ga- talent, awesome, awesome gift. But one of the one of the most well-known events of that, of, of that competition was the race. And so Paul is making this comparison so that his readers understand what it what it means to follow Jesus, right? This, this following Jesus that you and I are a part of, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth, hey, we, we train together, we're living this out together, we're following Jesus together, this is, this is how we should do it. We're running for the prize, we're running for the crown. The winner, there was only one winner of those games, and that winner would receive a a, a crown, right? So, in the same way, Paul is alluding to the Christian faith is that when we run this race, we run to receive the prize, to receive the crown. And, and who is that? It's not something material, it's not something earthly. It's Jesus, right? The author and finisher of our faith. So, Paul, again, is encouraging the church in Corinth and he's saying, let's continue. To run this race. Let's let's get a let's get a hard reset on our lives. And maybe you're in here this morning and you're you're struggling with some things or you're thinking about some things in, in the next coming uh, year. I want to encourage you to, to put following Jesus number one at the top of your list. You know you have a an incredible body, an incredible community of people that are sitting in front of you, behind you, and across the aisle, right? They're not enemies, they're friends. And so we can do that. So even more so Back to Matthew chapter five, we see Jesus, and Jesus has just finished what everybody likes to, everybody knows it as the Sermon on the Mount, right? In the beginning of chapter five, you have the Beatitudes, right? Uh, well, this precedes the Beatitudes, and now he's speaking, he shifts his, shifts his focus from the multitudes that's gathered, and he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to his closest friends, and he says that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Two huge concepts that Jesus uses to describe his followers. Now, if, if somebody came to you and said, you're the salt of the earth, you're probably like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, that means absolutely nothing to me, right? There's power and there's, there's words that Jesus is using to, again, allude to not not uh, how believers should act, but who they are and who they should be so that that in turn influences them to do things for the glory and for the kingdom of God, right? Jesus was an amazing speaker. He spoke to his followers in parables, which are short stories, and he always uh, desired people to know and understand the nature and character of God better and, and what the kingdom of God was like. And he becomes kind of more personal in this snapshot that we see in scripture. And he uses those concepts of salt and light to describe his followers. So let's, let's make a list or uh, a note of all of the useful things uh, that salt had and that salt did back in the ancient world. Number one, salt was, it was used as a currency in the ancient world. It was used as currency. It's where, we get our, it's where we get our word salary from. It was that precious, okay? Salt was also a chemical agent to help fertilize the soil, right? So Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. You as my followers, you may be following me now and you may be trusting me for your next meal. You may be trusting me for your next, uh, your next bed to lay on, your next place to stay, your next meal. He's saying that you, as you follow me, it's gonna make more sense as we as as you follow me and as you as you walk this as you walk this journey out. He's saying, I want you to to be the salt of the earth. I want you to bring growth to those around you. Now we can see that in, in the sense of, you know, where when you read throughout the New Testament, the, the disciples, they displaying incredible miracles. They did amazing things for Jesus. But what does that mean for us today? I believe Jesus has called each of us to, to be people who desire to see growth, not just in ourselves, but in each other. You know, I can, I can list off a, a list of names of people who've made an investment and an impact into my life and is part of the reason why i'm standing here today you know this isn't the result me standing up here isn't the result of me being a good communicator or or me being a christian or me knowing the bible it's because people it part of it is because people have believed in me they've they've taken the time to help me grow they've uh rebuked me they've chastised me we don't talk about that a lot from the from the, the stage a uh, lot of correction, that sort of thing, you know. Um, Jesus wants you and I to be people who can not only ourselves grow, but that we can see and we can help others grow. Do you know your your greatest your greatest area um, your greatest area of challenge or your greatest area of opposition just might be what somebody else needs to hear. So that they can get through whatever it is they're going through, yeah. Sometimes God gives us those experiences or those challenges uh, so that we can help others grow. You know, there's things in in uh, my wife and I's marriage that that we've been through, um, that we've struggled with. There's also great great victories that we've experienced. And uh, one of the coolest things that that we've you know that we've been able to do is just to walk with with a particular couple. Um, and share those experiences with, because they're just on the, f- on the fringe of getting married. You know, I had the privilege of, of marrying them, but we walked with them, and, and we, took, we took a look at how faith influences marriage. And so it doesn't matter where you are in your life. You can be married. You can be single. Um, you could have experienced uh, incredible lows, incredible highs. But Jesus is calling you and I to help others grow another uh another just quick usefulness of of salt that that is pretty pretty amazing is that in rabbinic literature the word salt was also used was also the same word that was used as wisdom so you are the salt of the earth we as followers of jesus let's hold on to what he's given us let's hold on to the truth of his word and obviously what we come to know salt as uh table salt right you put it on your, on your food, right? Brings out the flavor, brings out the richness. Uh, salt is also used, and probably what we use it as most as well, is a preservative, right? Think of, think of the conditions of the day, the conditions of the day. Desert climate, right? Salt was used for preserving things such as meat so that it wouldn't spoil, that it wouldn't rot. So Jesus is saying, hey, you're my followers. Let's preserve The the goodness of God. Let's preserve. Let's be preservatives Of the of the kingdom of God So jesus As he calls us to be the salt of the earth I want to hone in and focus specifically On us being salt as in us being a preservative right What what should we as christians as followers of jesus be preserving. I have three, three things here. The first thing we should be preserving is love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. We should have it up here on the screen. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. And verse 2 goes on to say something along the lines of, be imitators, put on love. And he's talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, you know what? It's time to come together, and it's time to practice what you've been shown. See, by this time, Jesus has, has already been crucified. He's risen again, and he's ascended to heaven. Paul has experienced uh, being knocked off a horse and being uh, blinded, only to receive his sight again and become completely transformed by the saving grace of Jesus. So, so Paul is writing and he's saying, be imitators. Be imitators of the love of God. You're probably wondering why I have these chairs up here this morning. So I like to use just a little visual illustration of what it was like before Jesus arrived on the scene. So you and I once, our backs were turned to God, because of what sin had done, because sin entered the world. But what Paul is saying is, now that you've received the free gift of Jesus, you've received that salvation, you are no longer an enemy of God, but you are friends of God. And so with our backs turned to God's back, because of what Jesus did, the chairs now have turned. And now you and I... Are able to freely, without reserve, to look God in the face because of what Jesus did. Now, if that doesn't shoot adrenaline through your soul, I don't know what will. Because this right here is a perfect picture of how each and every one of us should view God, number one, how we should talk to God, number two, how we should just be able to come to Him freely. So Paul is saying, Jesus Christ has set this example. John 3.16, you know it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yeah, we focus on the everlasting life part, but the root of all of it is love. Jesus came, he died, he rose again, but it was because... Man was separated from God. And now we have two chairs that are face-to-face. Instead of being enemies, instead of being disconnected from God, you can now be connected to God. You can sit and pray with him face-to-face. You can have an intimate relationship with God. Number two, another thing that we should be preserving is truth. The second thing is truth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Paul, again, is writing, amazing writer. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. I'm going to put the brakes on there. So what we have to understand here is that Paul, was, Paul took a lot of missionary journeys, and one of his missionary journeys was to the city of Thessalonica. Really uh, hostile environment, right? So hostile that there there was an instance where Paul had actually left the city. And later on, (laughs) I think this is really funny, he sent his mentor Timothy to the city. It's like, come on, man, really? Like, you leave because it's so hostile, but yet you're going to send me there, right? So Timothy comes back (laughs) to Paul after spending some time there and tells him of all of the incredible things that's happening uh, with the church there. And so Paul writes this letter in response to what what Timothy has reported. So uh, it says, you accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is, right? Like, duh. Uh, And this word continues to work in you who believe. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. So Paul talks a little bit more about this persecution. They faced persecution, but persecution um, not only defined them, but it allowed them to walk in a, a greater uh, relationship with Jesus. Persecution should always bring you closer to Jesus, Right? I always like to say, like, persecution is like the, the, um, it's like the pivot on which uh, you really come to find out who you are and what you believe. I mean, can I just be blunt with you? But the believers in Thessalonica were, were so attached to the truth of the word of God that they didn't allow the Jews and the Gentiles in that region to, uh, to dilute their faith. There was a lot of immorality with the pagan religions of the day in that city. And they stood by the truth of the Word of God. Even some of their own people, the Jewish religion, they were able to contrast the love and grace of the truth of God with the legalism and the pride of that religion that was practiced in that city. They were focused and they were set and sold on the truth of the Word of God. Church, can we stand on the truth? Can we stand on the truth of the Word of God even when our current situation or our current circumstance doesn't, doesn't look like it or doesn't proclaim it? You know, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And I have, I have a, a, a hard or a, an abrupt newsflash for you is that um, it's not going to get any better. <laughs> you know, we, stand, we, we are in this place as a privileged, uh, a privileged community, a privileged body, of believers, but there are other believers in other countries that have to meet below the ground because if if the government finds out they're, they're, like, persecuted. Like, we think persecution in America is, oh, they don't like me because I'm a Christian, right, whereas persecution in another country is, hey, you might lose a hand or you might lose a limb, right? That kind of puts it in perspective, and I hate to be so morbid, but, uh, <laughs> but, the truth of the word of God, if we believe the truth of the word of God, the point is, is you can withstand anything. Whether you're in your school, whether you're in your workplace, whether you have, you have a conversation with somebody that, that doesn't even believe what you believe. But the amazing thing is, is that truth is always grounded in love. And that's what I love about the place where I work. I had a conversation just before the message. I work at Amazon over here in Aetna six thousand people work there i've been able to come in contact with and and talk with people of all different backgrounds all different uh religions you know amazon is a place where they freely allow people who practice the muslim faith to take time and pray right there at their station you know where they work it's it's a pretty it's a pretty neat uh thing from a, a policy standpoint Um, that the company does that, but the point of it is, is that, you know, working there has exposed me to a lot of how I can just even begin to pray for people, you know, and it's an amazing thing when you really don't have to necessarily um, speak the name of Jesus, but people know that something's different about you, you know, you don't, have, you, don't have to, uh, you don't have to compromise the truth, no matter what, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. The word of God is absolute truth. It is a double-edged sword. It divides the thoughts and intents of the heart. It brings life and life forevermore. There is no word that is void of life. And it's for us. It's for our living. It's for our living. It's for our being. And it's for ultimately our doing. Talking about mission this morning. And the third point, Jesus calling us the salt of the earth. What should we be preserving? We should be preserving the hope of the gospel. What does the word gospel mean? It means simply good news. What good news? You ever received good news? What's the best good news you you ever received? jesus the christian answer yeah jesus right (laughs) jesus the day i met jesus Um, good news i think one of my wife and i's uh, greatest days was when we found out we were we were pregnant with our first our first uh, child emlyn Um, some of you know our story but we had a difficult time conceiving Uh, many doctor's appointments uh, doctors saying that it would would be almost impossible uh, but now we have three. So you know how that goes, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Over some of your heads. No, just messing with you. Um, but you, you receive that, that good news. The hope of the gospel is something that Paul writes about in, in Romans. And they'll put it up behind me, but he says, I, I love this verse. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of... Of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The hope of the gospel. You are sitting in your pew this morning because of the hope of the gospel. If you have been a follower of Jesus, if you have been a follower of Jesus for many years or if you've been a follower of Jesus for two or three months, this is what everything hinges on is the gospel. The fact that man was found in his error and in his weakness and God had a plan to redeem him to himself. So he sent his son, who was fully God and fully man, don't try to uh, wrap your head around that too much, but came and lived and served and became the sacrifice for you and, and, and for I, so that we could have relationship with God, not just in the afterlife, but in this life. That is the hope of the gospel. Let's preserve that. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father, but through who? Him. I'm pointing to me, but not me, Jesus. Yeah, but through me. I was speaking in first person, but I was speaking of Jesus, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way that any human on the face of this earth can get to God but through Jesus. I have no problem saying that. (laughs) Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I know what it can do to a life. I know how it's changed a life because it's changed my life. It's changed my wife's life. I've seen people who have been addicted, people who have have been held captive by a mindset mindset, And when they come to the knowledge and the saving grace of Jesus, the light bulb comes on and they are free. That is the gospel. Not only were we saved from our error, from our sin, from our wrongdoing, from our disbelief, but we get to take part in everything that Jesus has available for us. You have freedom, hope, grace, love, peace, joy. Let me name off the fruits of the spirit, right? Everything is available because of the hope of the gospel So let's preserve love Let's preserve truth And let's preserve the hope of the gospel Let's not forget what jesus says in the remaining part of that of the context of scripture that we're looking at He says you are the light of the world Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on its stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. the cool thing about light is that it is virtually unmistakable in darkness. Where there is darkness and light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot put it out. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world because Jesus himself says in John chapter 8 that he is the light of the world. And if anybody believes in Jesus, then they have the light of life. See, the light that we have or the light that we possess as followers of Jesus is an inherent light. It's not something that we've acquired or attained by our good deeds or uh, our good looks or our social status or the clothes that we wear, but it's because Jesus is Redeemer. Jesus is Savior, and he is the light of the world. And because he is the light of the world, we reflect his light to the world. This isn't, a, this isn't our doing. This is because of the work of Jesus and what he has done. So Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Nobody turns on a light in a dark room only to cover it back up and stumble over everything, right? It gives light to everyone in the house. It brings clarity. And Jesus says that light that we reflect, that light should be evident by our good deeds, but let's not make good deeds the focus of what Jesus is trying to say here. Jesus is saying, are we redirecting people to the goodness of God by the light that they are seeing? Are we redirecting the people to the goodness of God? Are they seeing the beauty of what our good deeds manifest? You know, we as a church, we exist to love and accept everybody even if they walk through these doors and they don't believe the same thing that you and I do can I say that again even if they don't believe the same things you and I do even if they don't have a, a different set of standards or practices even if they choose to live their life in a different manner You know, Billy Graham once said, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's our job to love. That puts it in perspective. Somebody can walk through that back door and carry a boatload of issues or have a different mindset or have a different set of beliefs. But we're called to love. We're called to give them the truth of God's word we're we are called to share with them how Christ has changed our lives. So what are they experiencing? What are people in your life experiencing? Are they seeing the beauty of what your good deeds manifest? Love, acceptance. All of the things that Jesus has made available to us. They should be able to see that and you know they should, you know, they should think, "Man, I want that." I'm tired of what I've drug in here behind me. I'm tired of what is attached to my leg, to my back. I want to be set free. I want to be changed. So Jesus says that we are the salt of the world, salt of the earth and the light of the world. Have the worship team come back up. You know, I want to just conclude with the vision of the family church. I think as I was preparing this uh, message this week, you know, I'm up here typically with um, the announcements, and you get into kind of the redundancy of, of you know, what you say week in and week out, but the mission of this of this body is to welcome home people to God, his family, and his plans. I think God has made that more real and apparent as I was, sitting and studying and reading and thinking about you know who we are as a body but church that's it that's god's redemptive plan that's his redemptive work and if he wants to use us then so be it like i'm jumping on that train when we come to the realization of who we are not just who we are as a person, but who we are as a follower of Jesus, it's much easier to grab a hold of the heart that God has for those who are far from him. And as we're praying in here this morning, if you sense that you are far from God, maybe you're on the outskirts and you're looking in and you're not sure if you believe this Jesus, let me tell you, he's someone incredible. He is someone that will radically change your life. If you're in here this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus, I want you to just go ahead and raise your hand. I'm not saying you have to have it all figured out. I'm not saying that you have to understand even what was spoken here this morning or anything that happened during service, but if you wanna say yes to Jesus, if you wanna say, Andrew, I wanna start following Jesus, go ahead and raise your hand this morning. We're here to pray for you. We always wanna leave the opportunity open as well for you who believe Jesus and follow Jesus to respond to to his word. You say, Andrew, I want to I want to take it to the next level. I want to take, take the next step. I want to be the salt of the earth that you're talking about. I want to be the light of the world that you're talking about. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I just want to encourage you. Jesus, we thank you in here this morning that you have called us chosen, that you have allowed us to take part in the work that you want to do, not just in this, in this room but in the community outside the four walls of this building, I pray God that those who are responding to your word would listen to you more intently and they would listen to you more, they would listen to you closer to the words that you're speaking to them. I pray God that they would never lose heart, that the reward is always worth the marathon. It's always worth Staying course. God, I pray that as we continue on mission, that we would continue to discover our identity and who we are in you. And that God, as we are the salt of the earth, you continue to work on the inside of us. And as the light of the world, I pray that we would continue to attract others to not ourselves, not, not what we accomplish or what we do, but that we would attract others to the glory of God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.